Welcome to Antelope Road Christian Fellowship. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit myarcf.com. Wow. So good to see you. We have about 35 people in, in the building right now. Very cool. Yes. It, just, just to let you know, inside uh, truth, it's really difficult to speak to nobody. <laughs> Especially if you're an extrovert. Well, no, no, I think I, I got that whipped. Um, hey, we're, we're just blessed today. Um, today, I'm, I have the... Um, I, I'm going to be messing with things today. I, I know I tend to do that. but So today's message, I, I named it Believers, Followers, or Disciples. Same storm, different boats. And, and I saw that on a Facebook post. It said, we're in the same storm. Everybody's in the same storm, but your boat's different than my boat. What you're going through may be totally different than what I'm going through, but we're still going through a storm. And our, and our scripture that we're going to be um, going through is, is John uh, chapter 6, 14 through 26. So if you want to turn there, that's great. Um, I'll, I'll have the scripture on the screen so you won't, you know, if you want to wait for me, that's fine too. Uh, let's see what we got here. So last week's sermon, Pastor Charles Ritchie gave us the, uh, the scope that Jesus miraculously fed 5,000 men, 20 to 25,000 humans with five barley loaves and two fish. And the big takeaway was his final exam, question number two, how much does our world, plus COVID-19, plus riots, plus whatever junk you're going through in life, plus Jesus, what does that equal? And he said, more than enough. Right? Anything less than Jesus part of the package is not enough. Whatever storm your boat is going through, whatever your boat is going through right now, I mean, wedding venues, yeah, I'm going through that too. Not for me, it's my kid, you know the deal, right? The things you go through that, that aren't working like they should yet. Yeah, is Jesus enough? So my question to you is, what happens when Jesus is more than enough isn't enough? What, what happens when the Jesus being enough just doesn't seem like that's enough? We're going to continue in John chapter 6. We're going to see that, that people reacted to Jesus' miraculous signs differently. So just as a, a, a background, the, the time frame is right before Passover. Right? So this is, a, they're, they're not in Passover yet, but right before Passover. And, and if you remember, Passover is one of their major three feasts. Passover refers to the blood of the lamb over the post, doorpost, and the, the angel of the Lord passing over. That's huge. So that, that we're, not there, we're not quite there yet, but what was the thing that they needed to do before Passover? You're right. They needed to clean all the leaven out. Right? That was one of the prescriptions is they had to take all of the leaven out of the houses. And what we see in, and Jesus actually speaks about leaven is being false teaching, 
or wrong perspectives, really rooted in pride. Like, as soon as I don't need God to tell me what to do, I'm eventually going to have some leaven in my life. I'm eventually going to be doing or saying or acting in a certain way where I don't need God's in- input. <laughs> Anybody ever live that way? Oh, just me. Yeah. There's times where, where I, I lose consciousness spiritually. And all of a sudden, I'm doing my own thing. And I step back and go, what just happened? So the cleaning out of leaven should be something we do at least once a year. But actually, the Holy Spirit does that in our lives regularly. So this message is for us in the building, those of you online, and especially for me. So let's take a look at this. <clears throat> so this is... John chapter 6, starting at verse 14. After the people saw the sign, now the sign was the feeding of the 5,000. After they saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Now, all of you know what, what is being referred to, right? All of the people said that Jesus was the prophet that was supposed to come into the world. And we all know what the reference point is there, right? So I put it in there. Oh, what happened? Part of my thing went bye-bye. Deuteronomy 18, uh, 15 is actually Moses speaking to the people of Israel saying, there will be a prophet. Oh, there it came. Oh, that's funny. Up there it's not. Okay. (laughs) Excuse me. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites, you must listen to him. So the people of the crowd, after they saw the feeding of the 5,000, they said, oh, this is the promised one. That sounds really promising. But that, that sounds very cool, right? All of a sudden, their eyes are open to a truth. And, and they, they're referencing this scripture. Very simple. There's a guy coming, and what's the command? Listen to them. Yeah, right. Let's see how they do with that. And so this is Jesus in verse 15. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Hmm. They don't seem to get the full picture of the promised one. Right? Because they had a design on Jesus that wasn't part of the script. So this is what Jesus did. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where, there, where they got into a boat and they set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. So, so in the process, the crowd is getting all excited. They want to go snatch Jesus and make him the king. And the disciples, we're going to see it in another, uh, in Matthew, it actually says it a little bit differently. But basically the disciples are going down to the lake, right? Now, so this is what, it seems, some of it looks good. Uh, the believers recognize that Jesus was the fulfillment of Moses' prophecy. That, that's good. Uh, the followers are seeking after Jesus. That sounds good. And the people want to make Jesus the king. <laughs> That's perfect. Except it's not. This is what wasn't good. They sought after Jesus because their bellies were filled. 
They thought Jesus was the ultimate weapon against the Romans. Can you imagine having Jesus being the weapon on your side? Right? First of all, nobody's going to touch you. But if somebody got injured, whammo, bammo. Right? Are you ever going to run out of supplies? Nope. Can you see where these people were thinking Jesus is really important to our future? Now, I, I just want to tell you something. Now, I, I'm, I'm obviously painting these guys as horrible people. But truly, they're no different than anybody else here in the room. And I'll say it this way. It all depends on how you were taught. See, they were taught as young children to expect a prophet that was going to lead them to be victorious in this world. So they had been raised with this expectation. So when they saw Jesus, they saw the pressure against, that the Romans had put upon them. They were looking for a savior physically here on the earth. So they were putting two and two together and their math came up to that. They wanted Jesus to be a pawn, not a king. That's a chess metaphor if you like chess. Want him to be a pawn, not a king. Can I tell you, those things might be leaven material in you. Now, obviously, we're not as bad as the Jews back then. Obviously, we're so much smarter, evolved, schooled, trained. All of those little things where, am I seeking after Jesus because I feel good right now? Am I seeking after Jesus because I get fellowship? I get support? I, I get good words? I get affirmations? Am I seeking after Jesus because, man, he's going to keep me out of hell? He's going to be my deliverer today? And am I seeking after Jesus because I like to make him in my own, own image? Because that's what they were doing. While recognizing Jesus as the prophet from God, they didn't want him, they didn't want to listen to and obey him. They wanted the prophet of God to be something that they could use as a tool. They may have been believers or followers, but they weren't disciples. So here's the thing. I, those of you who have been around the church for a long time, you're going to hear words that you're not going to like the way I'm using them. But those of you who don't know anything about Jesus that don't know anything about the church, let me explain something. Over the last 45 years that I've been a Christian, words come and go. And sometimes it's really like, this is the word, everybody's this. And then all of a sudden they go, no, that's not, that doesn't look good. When I was first a Christian, being a believer was a good thing. Are you a believer? Yeah, I'm a believer. Then people said, wait a minute, a believer could be somebody that's not sincere or, or not fully committed. So then you're a follower. You're a follower. I'm a follower. I'm not just a believer. You know, because believing could just be up here. I'm a follower. I'm seek, seeking after Jesus. But the real problem is in the scriptures, while they're, they do use the word believer and follower, the real word that Jesus, Jesus used was disciple. And the problem with disciple is it's a scary word. People are afraid of the word disciple. So we don't use it in the church anymore. Because that may scare people away. 
right? Disciple, right? But a disciple is one who is trained to walk in the ways of Jesus. And can I tell you, my, one of my points is that you can be a believer, which it's up here, and you can be a follower, and you may not be a disciple. So each of you here, if this, if the shoe fits, <laughs> I, I, I want you to receive that. Now, this isn't me trying to make you feel bad, but, but listen, if, if, there's a, if there needs to be an adjustment in your heart, in your head, this is the time. This is the time to clear out some of the leaven. Because these people who wanted Jesus to be their king did not want to be a disciple. How did Jesus respond? Now, I'm tying into Matthew chapter 14. This is part of the synoptic Bible, which means that, that there's a collection of scriptures that tell the same story. So we're getting a complementary view from Matthew. And this is what Matthew says. Immediately, Jesus, oh, the, it crossed it out. That's weird. I meant to unline it. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat, go on ahead of him to the other side when he, when he, uh, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. So we're, we're going to see a picture that the crowd is being agitated. The crowd has become its own storm. The crowd is, is putting this outside pressure that says, we want Jesus to be king. They're getting some traction. And Jesus does some really cool things as a shepherd. He says, I'm going to take my sheep, my disciples, and I'm going to get them out of Dodge. So he compels his disciples, hey, get in a boat, get out of here. That's a great shepherd. It is not safe for my disciples to be around this influence that says that you have to be or put me in a place where I'm king. Now, I can't say all of the hearts of the disciples were pure and right all the time, but Jesus, his heart was right. So he separates them. The next thing he does, he dismisses the crowd. Now, dismissing the crowd can mean a few things. He could just say, hey, move along, little doggies, right? Or he could just say, hey, your concepts are wrong, stop it. Both can be true. And I think Jesus did both. I think he, he dismissed them by saying, what you want from me will not happen. Time to go home. Right? And then it says, he went up to pray. I want to tell you that that's a great picture of Jesus. He protects the flock. He brings truth to the crowd. And then he prays for his disciples. That's what we know that he did. He was praying for those disciples because we're going to see why here in a little bit. So I stole this from Pastor Richie. <laughs> this is exactly his map. I got it right off the video. So this is, this is where we're at. If you can see it, so Bethsaida up to the far right, that's where he fed the 5,000. And Jesus sends them onto the Sea of Galilee and they're going to go to Capernaum. Now, I think that that's only eight miles. I think Pastor Richie said it's only eight miles. And, and just to let you know, that area of, of the lake, that's hometown for those fishermen. 
right? The disciples, that's where they fished. So, but that's where they're going. Okay, so they're, just to let you know, they're from Bethsaida to Capernaum. That's all they're looking at. Let's see what happens. What could go wrong? A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. Another word they say, the waters were agitated. Now, does everybody like strong wind? It's been gusty here the last couple of days. How many people like strong wind? I don't. All the, all the junk in the trees get into my pool. I hate it. I, I was busy all day. I mean, literally all day. <laughs> strong winds do stuff. Strong winds move things. Strong winds reveal things. The strong wind was blowing and waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching on the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. Do you blame them? It was because his hair was sideways. Is that what the problem? <laughs> right? The wind blowing. <laughs> Jesus is walking into the wind. And in one version, it says Jesus had planned to pass them by. Maybe they'll notice. Maybe they won't. But in this place, notice that Jesus waits. He's okay with the strong wind and the rough water around you. What boat are you in today? Are you a believer? Which means it's up here. Are you a follower? Which means I'm just doing this because everybody else is doing it. Are you in the boat that says, I'm, I'm being a disciple, which means I'm letting the Holy Spirit train me into the image of God? Now, the disciples weren't perfect people. They see Jesus on the water. I would be afraid too. Are you serious? Now, we're going to see why here, right? So watch this. Notice, storms reveal your power source, your endurance, and your ability. Now, I did, I did numbers just because I like it. Seven out of 12. Seven, it's, it's expected that seven of those men of the 12 were, were fishermen. How did their power do for them? How did those seven experienced fishermen do with this gale, with this, this wind that they, that they had often at night fishing? Their endurance. It says that it was dark, which was probably around six o'clock in the evening, and Jesus, it says, he walked on the fourth watch. It was about three o'clock in the morning. They'd been fighting this wind for nine hours. How's your endurance after nine minutes? I can't read the end of a long post. On, I just, no, I'm sorry. Swipe. <laughs> what is your ability Three to four miles. Nine hours. Three to four miles. See, strong wind. Check each of that. What's your power source? What's your endurance like? What's your ability? I don't think any of us would have been any different, probably a lot worse than those disciples. I would have been exhausted. I would have been discouraged. I, I, I would have said, you know what? Maybe it's just better to let it blow us back to shore. 
But Jesus said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. In this version, in this section, that's the only red letters. Can I tell you, if you're a disciple, if you're, if you're a believer or a follower, but especially if you're disciples, those are, those are the only words that matter. Has Jesus said to you, it is I, don't be afraid? It is I, which means, hey, brothers, in the boat, we're personally related. It is I, you see me. Jesus is saying, we're just not crowd related. We're just not socially related. We're intimate. Jesus is speaking intimacy here to these guys. He says, I am part of you. Do you see me? And then Jesus says, don't be afraid. Isn't that good? I want to tell you that experience, the experience, and I don't know how, how it has happened in your life or whether it's happened in your life. But the experience where Jesus personally says, here I am, and I'm going to bring you peace, is the thing that moves us from all the believing and following into the discipling mode. It is the thing that drives us. It's the thing that keeps us. It's the, it's the issue of power and endurance and ability. Everything is centered right there. It is I. Don't be afraid. What a special sentence. Jesus confirms the intimate relationship he has with his disciples. Jesus brings peace in the midst of chaos. Anybody know chaos recently? <laughs> Matthew 14 goes on and says, but Jesus, so this is a, a corresponding verse, verse. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Same, same statement. Lord, now this, watch, watch what Peter does. Peter, what, what a scoundrel. No, no. <laughs> Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. What is Peter thinking? What is Peter thinking? He's watching Jesus walking on water. He said, wait a minute. I just watched you feed 5,000 people. Your miracle became our miracle. Can this miracle become mine too? Can, can I share in this miracle? What could he say? No. Jesus says, come. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reaches out his hand and caught him. You have little faith. He said, why did you doubt? Can I tell you, each one of you, if you're honest, have had experiences just like that. Where we get spurred to make this, this step of faith and we go, Aah! we start freaking out. And God goes, I got you. Snatch. That's exactly how we grow. 
There's no embarrassment here with Peter. There's no, Jesus isn't shaming him. He says, oh, Peter, you're so close, you dog. You're so close. Oh, man, we could have walked all the way together. Oh, wouldn't that be cool? Look at the stories we would have told. Peter literally takes further steps in his faith walk with Jesus. Peter enters into Jesus's miracle. See, believers don't enter into the miracles of God. Followers don't enter into the miracles of God. Disciples enter into the miracles of Jesus. Disciples, those who have committed to follow, those who have committed to hear and obey. John 6, 21 says, then they were, then they were willing to take him into their boat. <laughs> Jesus walks on water and they, he goes, it is I, don't be afraid. They go, oh, okay, now you can come in. <laughs> Watch this. And immediately the boat reached the shore where they were headed. You know what, I, I, when I read this, I thought, man, this is really a sense. I don't know about you and your personal experience where, where sometimes you're just stuck. Sometimes things aren't working out at all. Even a sense of being lost. And Jesus could come to you and said, it is I, don't be afraid. When you let him in. See, it's not just that Jesus said, it is I, don't be afraid. It takes a response for things to happen. See, I could preach scripture. I could say, Jesus said this. But unless something is acted upon, right? When things are acted upon the word of God, things happen. The miracle happens. I love this. They decided to let Jesus in and poof, they're home. Or they're to Capernaum. What an amazing thing. Four miracles. Jesus walked on water. Peter walked on water. Jesus calmed the storm and they immediately reached Capernaum. Do we have that sense in our lives where Jesus walks on water and he goes, hey, I want you to walk with me. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Do we trust that when Jesus goes... He'll calm the storm? Do we, do we realize that when Jesus is in our boat, we'll get to where we're supposed to be? Yes. Preach. Thank you. Matthew 14, 32 says this. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were with him were in the boat, worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. Listen, I, I don't know what stage of life you are, your kids are at, people you know. But the way that I'm trying to express the differentiation between a believer is one that has it up here, but nowhere else. A follower is one who just 
acts because that's all they know, but there's nothing truly alive down here that's causing them to give their lives to Jesus fully. So I want to be really careful about words. True disciples worship. True disciples say, truly, you are the son of God. I'm not saying that others don't sing songs. Worship has the attitude of bowing down to the sovereign. And we only do that as disciples. Worshiping Jesus as the Son of God is the appropriate response of disciples. The next day, the crowd, remember the crowd? Remember what the crowd was like? Remember the crowd that came from the feeding of the 5,000? Right? They wanted to make Jesus their pawn. They wanted him to be the special weapon that would destroy Rome. They wanted him to be their, their ace in the hole. The crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that the one and only boat that had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where, they, where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boat and they went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. Doesn't that sound good? You have people seeking Jesus. They're searching after Jesus. That sounds so good. Is that the answer for people to seek after Jesus? I'm not saying that's evil. I'm not saying that that isn't a start. I'm not saying that isn't part of the process. But seeking after Jesus with a, a, a personal agenda, God, God has a problem with that. Lord, help me not have my own agenda. Help me be an open vessel so you can speak to me and I, I'll respond the way you desire. Yeah, they were seeking after Jesus, but they weren't seeking to make him the king of kings. They weren't looking to be disciples. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, teacher, right? Rabbi, where did you get, how'd you get here? When did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. <laughs> Lord, keep us away from just being satisfied satisfied with good things. Listen, it's not wrong to have good things. We should be blessed people. Please understand that. But being blessed isn't what, what the end result is. Jesus exposes those who are following after him but are not disciples. Can I tell you today that's what God will do whether I ask him to do it or not, whether you ask him to do it or not. He, the Holy Spirit will expose in you whether you're a disciple or not because that's the, 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 the template, the game plan. 
I have to talk about something really sensitive. Two weeks ago, I saw this. It hurt my heart. So there's a guy named John Steingard, and I didn't, I didn't know his name at all. He is the lead singer of a, of a Christian group called Hawk Nelson. I know one of their songs. In fact, this morning, I, <laughs> it came on the, my Pandora. I was like, it was, that was weird. My kids listened to Hawk Nelson 10, 15 years ago. It was a big thing. Here's some quotes from a, probably a nine-page treatise that he put on Instagram. I, am, I, no lo- I no longer believe in God. I grew up in the church. Everyone I knew and loved believed in God, Jesus, and the Bible, so I felt it must be true. All of a sudden, my heart's going, Ugh. I didn't want to read very much more. In fact, I read a little bit, and I got, eh. Conrad said, you got to read the rest of it. He had some questions, some real questions that need to be answered for you and for him. He said, if God is all loving and powerful, why is there evil in the world? I said, talk to Pastor Greg. He'll give you a great answer. If God is loving, why does he send people to hell? Please, once again, talk to Pastor Greg. He has a great answer. Why does Jesus have to die for our sins? I could handle that one. Great questions. Here's this guy that he speaks about being raised in a Christian home. His father is a pastor. He's, he's been in music. He's, he actually turned the, the band around from a secular band to a Christian band. He had a great run, and he doesn't know the answers to the questions. That grieved me. It grieved me. This is a quote. Once I found I didn't believe that the Bible was the perfect word of God, it didn't take long to realize that I was no longer sure he was there at all. What do you do when the rug is pulled out from under my feet? You know, what I was thinking is that Jesus speaks to us very Clearly, he says, go into all the world and be a witness to everyone, right? A witness is one who describes what they've seen and experienced. I can't unknow what I know. I, I, I can't unsee what I've seen. I can't, my testimony isn't, well, I think this might have happened 15 years ago. Or I hope this happened. No, I, I have a tangible experience that changed my life. And I'm seeing, how, how can somebody say they can't believe in God? Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is what he said. He says, this is at the end, he goes, I'm open to the idea that God is there. I'd prefer that he, if he was. I suspect if he is there, He is very different than what I was taught. I know my parents pray that God reveals himself to me. If he's there, I hope he does. A true disciple couldn't say that they don't believe in God. 
They can disagree, be angry, bitter, disobedient, or even rebellious. <laughs> a true disciple is not perfect. A true disciple knows the voice of the master. Listen, I'm not perfect. Never have planned, never have pretended to be. I've messed up more times than I wish. But I, I can't deny what he's done in my life. I can't deny. When I heard that, I went, Lord, this guy has never heard your voice. This guy doesn't have the personal experience that the disciples saw the feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus walking on the water and them entering into that miracle. Once you've entered into the miracle of God, you can't say you didn't. Do you believe God because everyone else you know and love believes in him? Wow. That's, that's what he said. I believe in God because everyone I know and love believes in him. That's a follower. That's all I know. I was just taught that way. Can I tell you, listen, raising children is not easy, especially yours. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, yours, yours. I mean, raising kids is tough. How do you get it to the point where they're not following just to follow? It, it's important to follow to follow. That's not evil by itself, but when does it transition to that personal relationship that says, I'm vitally connected with the creator of all? Lord, let us not be satisfied with just believing something or following something or going here. Lord, let us... Let us not be okay with, with a false truth, the, the leaven. Are you willing to go past what you've been taught to believe and to become a disciple? That, that takes some humility. I know a lot of stuff that I'd rather believe than the gospel. frankly <laughs> true. I'd like to believe a lot of stuff that gets me off the hook. But Jesus says, it is I, do not be afraid. What boat are you in? Are you in the boat that's going to get stuck in the wind, stuck in the chaos? Are you just swirling? Are you ready to let Jesus in the boat so you can get to where you're supposed to be? I'm going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, we're, we're so thankful that your word is so clear. We've made a mess of it. We confess. The church is a mess. The church has all sorts of ideas of what truth is and the best ways to present you and the gospel. I'm not saying that everybody's wrong. I'm, I'm not even saying that I'm right. I, I just read your scripture and I see people who were taught from their youth a certain way and they acted a certain way and you said, that's not what I want. And you took these group of men, the 12, the disciples, and they were a mess. 
And the only thing that I look at is they decided to follow you. They decided to give up what they had to follow you. It's not that they were ever perfect, but their desire and their, their feet showed that they were, they were going to be a disciple. You were going to train them into your image. So today I, I ask, Father, that whatever boat we're in, if, if we find ourselves in a place where I know the gospel, but I've never experienced you, Jesus, or if I'm following because everybody I know does this and it's not a personal experience, I pray that you would open our hearts to you and I pray that you would make a way that our eyes would be open in a different way today, that our ears would be open to hear in a different way today. Jesus, we just trust you that it is you and we don't need to be afraid. So I ask your blessing upon each one here in Jesus' name. Amen. We're so blessed to have you here today. Amen.